Hello, welcome to Eyes for Ears, your ophthalmology OCAP support review podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Young. And Andrew Powell. Just a reminder that these episodes are meant for medical education purposes only, not to diagnose things on anyone's eyes. Each week we take a high-yield topic and talk about the why and the how. What are we talking about this week, Andrew? This week we're going to try to take a stab at dissociated vertical deviations. Or, as most of you know, DVDs. DVDs. You didn't think you'd have to think about DVDs anymore in this age of Blu-ray, but here we are. Blu-ray, Ben. You're not on the cloud. I'm not. Yeah, I, I guess even like Blu-ray is kind of. Uh, I, I mean, no offense to anyone out there who's a Blu-ray player, but you know, I mean, but I all like the a, offense intended in the world, really. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, why not just use a streaming service? Mm. Okay. Anyways, DVD, associated vertical deviation. How do we talk about that? Like, what the heck is it? It seems so weird. Maybe as a way to illustrate how nebulous and frustrating this whole thing is i thought you and i would just sort of try to talk out a case of dvd like what would you expect to happen say if i had it and you were examining my eyes okay how would that examination go okay so i would have you fixate on some target okay like we do in starb exams and then i'm I'm 10 years old i'm sitting in this exam chair i'm looking across the room with both of my eyes open okay what do you do next? I put a paddle over, I don't know, your right eye. Sure. Okay. And then I'll move my paddle to your other eye. Which is alternate cover, uncover, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, so maybe I shouldn't open with alternate cover, but let's... let's. Well, <laughs> maybe I should have just taken the paddle <laughs> off. Do you want to start with <laughs> cover, uncover? That's the right way to do it, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. not the right way to do it. Okay. Right away is just like pull your hand back and forth. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not that good. You should go see. You should go see your pediatric person. Okay. Well, well at least, uh, yeah, if you do cover, uncover first, then you can yeah. tell if there's any tropia, right? Yeah. So let's look for a tropia first. So I put my paddle over your right eye, and then I take it off. And your nothing eye happens, doing. I guess. Okay. And were, then my, I put were my eyes orthophoric when this all started, by the way? Obviously orthophoric. Um, let's say they are. Yeah, <laughs> okay. let's say they are. Sure. Okay. And then I so, put my paddle over your left eye. Put paddle over left eye. All right. Okay. And my right eye doesn't do anything. It's still staring straight ahead. Okay. Now what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So good job, little Andy. You, uh-huh. um... <laughs> I, I, to, to the listener, I called Andrew Andy for like two years, I think. Because the other guy in his class, who was also above me, called him Andy. So I assumed that everyone called him Andy. And then I learned, I don't know, like a year and a half into knowing him, that his name's not Andy. His name's Andrew. Well, technically it could be Andy too. But anyway, forget it. <laughs> <It's> just. <laughs> well, what do you prefer? For for the uh, only that guy plus you for a year and a half ever called me Andy. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, Doctor Powell. So. <laughs> okay. So. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll shout out to Big Problem. Thank you for confusing me and my scrambling my brain no, so, his, his whole purpose in life is to troll people yeah you hear that venkatesh brahma that. you're a terrible person anyway i'm keeping all this so okay now <laughs> we're putting okay now i'm gonna put my paddle over your right eye okay, okay paddle over right eye and then i'm gonna what put are you looking eye. at i'm gonna look at i won't look at both but we'll okay, look at okay. the right eye mainly okay all right all right and then then i move my paddle to your other eye to your all left right. eye okay and now, now things are starting eye. to break down you're messing okay. with me too much Okay. And Do it what's again. your next one? Okay, then I'm going to go back to the right eye. Have me look to the left as you're doing all this stuff. 
Oh, okay. Well, now I'm. I'm. Let's do you. Let's put you in left gaze. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm gonna. Yeah. Go back and forth and back and forth with alternate cover. And as you continue to break my fusion down while I'm in left gaze, you notice every time you uncover and shift from my right eye to my left, that my right eye is just drifting up in a deduction. And then whenever you go back to covering it, you notice my left eye hasn't done anything. It's not going up. It's not going down. Only one of my eyes is doing this weird drift. What the heck? What is going on, Andrew? Andy? So what? what is the thing that's weird here? Like, if one eye's kind of wandering up, okay, fine. But there should be an accompanying action in the other eye too, right? Agreed. What is that? It that, seems like law, we're violating a law. What law mandates that for every deviation, there should be an equal and opposite undeviation, I guess I should say. That's kind of a weird way of paraphrasing. That's sort of, but it's also kind of right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely giving the listener time to think of the answer, and I'm not looking it up right now. <laughs> One second. Herring's Law. If you guessed Herring's Law, then you win this round of Family Feud. Right, so what does Herring's Law say about Say, again, you're looking at little Andy's right eye. It's wandering up. If my right eye is wandering up, then my left eye should be doing something too, right? Yeah, it should also be going up. Yeah. It's just, you know, only ever talk about one eye going up and not both eyes, purely out of practicality, because you're only ever looking at one eye at a time. Right. Because you've got your paddle over the other eye. If it's doing what it should, if it's obeying Herring's law, it should be matching whatever deviation is happening on the eye that you can see. Right. right. The eyes are yoked. So right. they should be yoked to the same position. So DVD breaks that yoking. It disobeys Herring's law. What you'll find is the eye that you're not looking at, the eye that's covered by the paddle, is the one that starts drifting upwards. Because without any sort of like stimulation without the eye seeing things to know where it ought to be looking at, it's just going to wander away. Right. And right. it's only when you, I guess, uh, uncover it that it kind of gains attention again. It's like, oh, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And reverts back to where it should have been looking. That refixation is the one thing you do see. And now that means you're always going to have this weird imbalance where you can't get a prism to do to completely neutralize movement for both eyes it's really frustrating yeah. because they're not yoked right they're violating herring's law okay so you know that's confusing enough as it is especially because if a person has dvd it can really confound your ability to see what the heck's going on with the other muscles right so if there's actually hypertropia of one eye and there's dvd you're you're kind of sol because there's no oh way to God. know how much of that is hyper and how much of that is random DVD. Can I say right. stuff like that? I can say SOL, right? SOL. Well, we don't have an explicit tag, so the listener <laughs> will have to fill in with their imagination. You are surely for. out of luck. Surely out of luck. Correct. Because I don't know how to add the explicit tag now that we've already kind of registered the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't swear at the podcast, goddammit. <laughs> so... You know, for the rest of this episode, we we kind of did this really, I keep fighting the urge to swear now, 
Um, we kind of did this sort of uh, watches this wishy washy completely job. devolves from this point on. <laughs> what what made it what broke the camel's back is DVD, as it does all the time, and my spirits. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we did this wishy washy job just now of illustrating to you what DVD is, and uh, it's frustrating. And now we can talk a little bit about why it might be the way it is. But honestly, a lot of it you might not need to know. Um, we'll cycle back, circle back to what's actually helpful in high yield. But for now, let's go into the weeds a bit of DVD. Yeah. Where does it come from? Where does it go? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it's. I don't think it's really known exactly, but we know it's got something to do with the nerves being this thing that defies a uh, law of nerves, Herring's law. And then people with infantile strabismus have this pretty often, like more than 50% of those whose eyes aren't looking straight and are born like that, then they have this DVD thing that accompanies it. There's, in general, two ideas about why it might be. One is that DVD itself is a compensatory mechanism to try to dampen down latent nystagmus. Another thing it's associated with. Correct. So it's if it's associated with infantile strabismus, a lot of those kids have late nystagmus, and DVD may be a way to kind of soften the weirdness of what that's doing, especially with all the oblique muscles as the main players in those kinds of derangements. So maybe it's something that's actually trying to help mitigate another problem, which is all these youthful infantile strab kids. The second weird theory, and I, f I thought you'd really get a kick out of this, Ben, is that maybe if a person has a problem with fixation, as all these kiddos do with their strabismus, maybe that allows a very primitive reflex to emerge. And apparently this you know gets play with fish, because apparently there's this primitive reflex to make them kind of tilt themselves so that the dorsal part of their... <laughs> I guess the dorsal side of the fish ends up tilting towards light. Who knows why? Next time you're going fishing, Ben, just bring like a flashlight with you and see if fish randomly start tilting their backs towards your face or towards your light. Um, that is incredible. We need to learn more about this. No, you really what? do not. You don't need to learn any more about no, it. No, I absolutely... What? They tilt the dorsal part of their eye. I don't know, man. I was looking through trying to find explanations for dvds and you know how you get to that section that sort of tailspin of pubmed where you get start getting into like literature citations from the 50s and uh you can't find these articles anymore because they're actually on paper not yeah. in the cloud <laughs> yeah and uh at some point in some abstract somewhere in the 80s someone who was talking about fish tilting let's not it's, look any further into it's it all like, it's like a writing response apparently <laughs> for fish oh my gosh it's like yeah they, they, so Hating maybe we reflex. all get DVD because we all are built to have DVD anyway, because we all want to point towards the sun, and only fixation keeps us from doing it yeah. at all times. Well, that's incredible. Sorry, I've been saying fixation. I've been meaning to say fusion. Deficient fusion, fusion. allows this sort of like tilting or whatever. Yeah. And then also a little more, uh, you know, into the weeds, procedural stuff. Technically, you you might wonder like, okay, weirdness innervation problems why is it just vertical deviations 
why couldn't they have weird, random, dissociated horizontal deviations? The answer is they totally can. And in fact, the two of them together, DVD and DHD, are just part of something grossly called the dissociated strabismus complex, DSC. But the reason you hmm. never hear about those other things is DVD is the most obvious one. It's the one that happens most frequently, and it's the most prominent of all of them. So sometimes you can have DHD. Sometimes you can even have a little DTD. What's that? Uh, torsion. So every every which way the eye could possibly move, yes, there's a dissociated version of it, but the vertical deviations, dissociated vertical, is just the biggest deal of all of them. Hmm. Interesting. And thank goodness, because if these things made themselves any more complicated in any direction they wanted, how would I trust any of my measurements ever? It's already hard enough. It's already hard enough. Um, so some clinical features that are important to know about DVD is it usually starts when they're age like two or so. I mean, it can be a little before, a little bit after two. It's, again, like we said, the eyes will usually float up and they can float outward with some extorsion of the eye. So up, out, and rotate out too. And it, like we said before, it occurs when the eye is occluded or possibly when they're just visually inattentive. So it could be, you know, apparently spontaneous if they're kind of zoning out, so to speak. Right. So in the example we sort of bumbled through earlier, truthfully, Ben would not have seen my DVD until he uncovered the eye that had it. And then he would catch it red-handed, so to speak, in the act of wandering off. Mm -hmm. You don't always need the paddle, though, right? So uh -huh. sometimes sometimes it can actually just be there, a manifest DVD. Or be a latent DVD if it happens only when you know we include it, like we talked about in our example. Right. So I guess that's a terminology difference. But I've never, I guess it has to be really, really bad for it to be manifest, right? And, you know, as you can imagine, like in the example we just had, Latent DVD can look like inferior oblique overaction, where the you know the eye that is AD ducting over elevates. But we will do, eventually do a whole episode about oblique overactions that yeah. will help us to kind of differentiate between DVD and oblique overaction. And you know, I think for the vanilla inferior oblique overaction, that should obey Herring's law, but DVD doesn't. Right. Not. Right. And it's, it's usually bilateral, actually. I mean, it can just affect one eye, but usually it's a bilateral problem. And then because, you know, all this stuff that we're talking about is really problems of deficient binocular vision, again, it's heavily associated with things where that's not, um, not working for you. So latent nystagmus, horizontal strabismus, those are often things you find in association with DVD. And I'll say that's, that fact is pretty high yield. Like I've seen... And practice questions, you know, questions about DVD associated with like congenital esotropia, you know, a congenital horizontal strabismus. So trying to remember that kind of triad, latent nystagmus with congenital esotropia with DVD can be pretty useful. Yeah. I also feel like it's a really easy test setup question to trip you up if you don't know the difference between your nystagmuses too. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they'll be like, okay, which kind of nystagmus does this person have? And then it'll give you a description of things and you'll be like, uh, which one of these is latent nystagmus? So yeah. I, I guess remember latent versus congenital nystagmus. Right. Or congenital motor 
That's the usual. Yeah, con- congenital motor. Yeah, that that is separate. You can check out our nystagmus episode right. to revisit that. I'm very grateful, Amanda did. <laughs> Me too, honestly. <laughs> Me too. Uh, okay, how do you measure a DVD, Andrew? I know oh, we talked man. about before, but it is really hard. So this is now coming back to the more. I don't know if it's high yield for testing, but it's high yield for life, because you're going to be trying to chase this thing, this deviation that doesn't obey normal laws that it's really difficult and very imprecise um so the best you can really do there's one method is to try to just uh put the prism over the eye that's uh deviating while it's also behind the occluder and then keep switching that occluding occluder around between the two eyes and, and switch up your prism power until the deviating eye shows no more downward refixating movement the problem with that, as you might be sort of stepping down the line in your head a little bit, is that if it's confounded by any real amount of hypertropia, like we talked about before, you don't know what amount of that prism that you've just put in is correcting the DVD and what amount is correcting the hypertropia. They're sort of added together and inseparable. Great. So... So I guess that's one really clinically relevant component, like thing to know about DVD is if they have, you know, if you're valuing them for hypertropia, they have a DVD too, it's really going to throw off your measurements, especially if you're seeking to do a surgical correction. Yeah. So what do you do with these when it comes to managing things, Ben? It's if you can't really... trust the ground you're standing on or the numbers that you're getting, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, you can observe a lot of the time Though you should do something if either deviation is notable, usually noticeable when it's like more than six, maybe eight prism diopters in magnitude, or if it's like persistently happening in the daytime, then you may want to treat it because then it could be a noticeable kind of float of the eye. Yeah. Sometimes you can even get away with it if it's mostly just happening on one eye to sort of blur the other eye a little bit. So... um the same kind of frosted glass we sometimes use to partially um, occlude a kid, you know, and avoid their late nystagmus kicking in. Yeah. But yeah, that's, of course, a situational strategy because if they rely on a good eye all the time, then you can't just blur it at all times. So sometimes, you know, you run out of good options and you're cornered into surgery. Yeah. Is surgery going to be a, a wonderful fix? Ben, reliable no i mean it can make it better but it usually doesn't eliminate a dvd yeah yeah so i mean you can try to do things like recess the superior rectus to try to produce the magnitude of the dvd but you know if that doesn't work you might have to resect the inferior rec- um, rectus or placate it if there's still some after the superior rectus like enough to be a problem we're definitely not surgical pediatric experts, but, you know, just I think for general ophthalmology board's purposes, you know, we should know that you can do surgery for DVD in the right situation yeah. um, to try to try to improve it. And, you know, there can be underlying overaction of an oblique muscle, too. So if there is that, if that is a part of the case, then you could always treat the eye, the inferior oblique muscle, too, surgically. Mm hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And that's what we talked about in a lot of our pattern strabs in that other episode on pattern strabismuses. If there is a component from an oblique muscle, then the easy answer is deal with that oblique muscle. 
but there just often isn't in DVD. DVD yeah. can be without needing trouble from anything else. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing, DVD. But yeah, that's all we have for this week. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on Twitter at eyes 4 ears with the number four. And uh, we've also got various social media things. The Scourge of Humanity. Uh, ben runs Twitter. <laughs> ben runs the Scourge on Twitter. I very poorly run the Scourge on Instagram. Isn't podcasting fundamentally a part of social media, or do you not consider it? Uh, I consider it when it's to my benefit writing papers. Mm. But, you know, which editor is going to be able to tell the difference between that the Twitters or the the Grams? I don't know. I'm not sure. I hope I'm, not ones that listen to the podcast sure and hear you hear you talk smack about their ability to differentiate between them. The if you like to support, if you'd like to support this scourge on humanity, then you can leave us a rating review on iTunes where we found our podcast, and that's really helpful. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.